I'm Jason Mitchell, sustainability strategist for Man Group. You're listening to Perspectives Towards a Sustainable Future, a podcast about what we're doing today to build a more sustainable world tomorrow. Welcome to the sixth and final episode of season two of Perspectives Toward a Sustainable Future. So this is a bit of an unusual episode. Think of it as a a mashup of inspiring commentary and ideas, which is to say that it's also one of the most exciting ones we produce since the show's start. I mean, come on, how often do you get a chance to judge some truly inspiring sustainable impact proposals by some of today's brightest young minds? This marked the eighth year for the Kellogg Morgan Stanley Sustainable Investing Challenge. More than 100 university teams from 20 different countries submitted proposals for the final held in London and judged by an incredible group of investors and practitioners. I was lucky to be among the judges of the first challenge held in New York, and I really enjoyed being a part of this one. The scope of the competition is to propose innovative financial structures that address social and environmental challenges, all while delivering market rate returns. This year's proposals ranged from economic development in low-income U.S. communities to financing storm resilience in Asian countries. Sure, this isn't a panacea for all our anxieties in the world of sustainability, I know that. But it's a great feeling knowing that a new generation of students is just as focused and just as determined to solve today's socioeconomic and environmental challenges. And it's also a testament for how finance can actually be a force for positive change at a time of rising inequality and diminishing opportunity. But before we begin, I want to quickly highlight season three of Perspectives Toward a Sustainable Future. We've got an incredible lineup of interviews, including Fiona Reynolds of the Principles of Responsible Investment, Catherine Howarth of Share Action, Michael Capucci of Harvard Management, and Reinhard Butikofer, Senior Member of the European Parliament and Co-Chair of the German Green Party. And so, back to the challenge. To understand the origins of the challenge, I caught up with Dave Chen, CEO of Equilibrium Capital, who founded it eight years ago. I wanted to know, for instance, what actually inspired his idea? I, I started teaching at Kellogg, uh, oh, I think nine years ago, and the class was on impact investing and sustainability. And, and it was around, one of the core concepts of the class was that finance is, uh, is a source of innovation. Um, uh, around about that time, you know, 10 years ago, we were all starting to talk about social enterprise and the use of startups and technology to change the world, to alleviate um, you know, poverty, and to address uh, water and energy issues and financial inclusion. And so a lot of this revolved around startups and enterprise activity to address bottom of the pyramid. But, but one of the things that, 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 that really struck me was that Finance itself has been an instrument of social policy and environmental policy. And, and the, 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 the simple example I always use is the 30-year fully amortized mortgage is an instrument of financial innovation. Today, it's not thought of that way, but 100 years ago it was. And it was an outgrowth of the desire on the part of social policy and governments to create a more stable society by having people own their, their homes. And so... Uh, a self-collateralizing long-tail amortization was an invention of the financial industry to, to address that that need, and 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 over time we've had other financial instruments uh, that that led to tremendous movements of markets and the execution 
of, uh, of environmental and social policy, things like socks and NOx trading, carbon cap and trade, even microfinance itself, which is a debt instrument that is directed at a very purposeful segment of the market in a very uh, tailored way to that bottom of the pyramid is a financial instrument and a financial innovation. And so the class revolved around um, asking the students, exposing the students to finance as the innovation. And, uh, and, it, and, and in my class, I asked the students to come up with a project, uh, which was to create their own financial instrument uh, that, that delivered on a social or an environmental outcome and could address the needs of the mainstream investor from a returns and, uh, and profile of the portfolio standpoint. And I was actually, frankly, shocked. Uh, you know, I was shocked that the students turned in great projects. And I and I asked the question, well, geez, if this business school has students that are messing around with this stuff and, and coming up with such great ideas, you know, there must be students in and, and, and all the other top business schools that are equally, obviously, capable. And, and, and if we just asked them to do this, would they, in fact, create great ideas? That's kind of how it started. I was also curious about how the challenge has changed, evolved really, over the last eight years. What I'm personally trying to do, which is in some ways give permission to the best, most innovative minds that they can use the tools that they learn in finance to make a difference in the world. And, it's, and, and, and that source of innovation can come from anywhere. So I, I think the biggest changes that have taken place in the last few years, one is the number of schools that are involved. But two, I think the other big change that's taken place is when we got the competition started, I would say eight years ago, the, the kinds of students that were part of these teams were, I would call the, um, the deeply impassioned uh, students. And, uh, and, and a lot of them came from non-finance backgrounds. And, uh, and what we're finding now, and this really started probably about four years ago, is that we're finding students, uh, graduate students that may have had some uh, tour of duty prior to business school in finance. Maybe it was with a hedge fund. Maybe it was with a private equity fund and are now asking themselves the very personal question, the career question, how can I take those tools and apply them in ways that are aligning with my personal values and my personal objectives? And that's exciting because the level of sophistication that we're seeing uh, is, is dramatically increasing. And I also wanted to know about the ideas behind the student proposals. In other words, to what degree does the Sustainable Investing Challenge reflect the social and environmental issues that markets are preoccupied with now? There's oftentimes this um, uh, mysterious randomness that takes place, and that is, I, I can't honestly explain to you why this happens, but, you know, there'll be years when half the proposals are about agriculture, There'll be years when half the proposals are about some pressing social issues. And this year, for some reason, uh, climate uh, change itself, not carbon, not carbon dioxide, uh, but, uh, but specifically extreme weather, uh, came to the forefront as one of the, the, the waves of, of ideas that swept through. It's, uh, and, 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 and frankly, it came from all over uh, uh, schools from all over the globe. So it wasn't like... You know, somebody gave a speech and, uh, and and inspired a bunch of people then to go do it. It was just sort of this. Uh, so so that's that, that's in part what makes this competition fun is that there are these you can almost monitor the uh, the heat uh, mapping of 
of uh, important issues and important opportunity sets by, by the student submission. So, thanks to Dave, now you know a little bit about the origin story of the Kellogg-Morgan Stanley Sustainable Investing Challenge. But it's worth getting a sense of the range of proposals from some of the student teams themselves. Here are just a few standouts. My name is Megan Larkham. Julianne Haldeman and I attend school in Boston, Massachusetts at MIT Sloan and Harvard Business School. We've designed a multi-headed search fund that acquires and grows small businesses in low-income communities in the U.S. with the ultimate goal of providing better jobs. Hi, my name is Xie Yi. I'm from the China-Europe International Business School. And uh, our proposal is about the Foodie City Investment Fund. Our idea is to design a PE fund to transform the food waste recycling industry, basically to address the disjointed supply chain problem in this industry. I'm Patrick Watson, and I'm from Oxford University here presenting the Blended Finance Agricultural Bond, which is effectively looking to take advantage of the agricultural yield gaps globally in developing countries and figure out how we can use bond financing to solve some of those inefficiencies and improve farmer income throughout sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America, and Asia. Hi, my name is Hannah Butcher, and I'm with the University of Utah representing DOS Capital. DOS Capital is a, way, is a way to have wage smoothing in India. By raising masala bonds, we're able to provide daily wage credits to the informal sector and at the same time give them daily credit and work history, allowing them to have formal financial inclusion. My name is Zach Ruckman, and I am a soon-to-be graduate of the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. I'm here today presenting the Resilient Infrastructure Swap Exchange, or what we're calling RISE, which is a weather derivative uh, that's an insurance-linked security for Vietnam to provide insurance coverage in what is a highly underinsured market in in a part of the world that is increasingly exposed to more catastrophic storm damage. It's also worth highlighting the great lineup of judges and their encouraging feedback, beginning with Audrey Choi, Morgan Stanley's Chief Sustainability Officer, CEO of Morgan Stanley's Institute for Sustainable Investing, and co-host of the competition. I'm Audrey Choi. I'm Chief Sustainability Officer of Morgan Stanley and CEO of the Institute for Sustainable Investing. You know, today at the Sustainable Investing Challenge, uh, to me the most striking thing is the sheer bold ambition of these students. They are tackling every one of the biggest problems you can imagine in the globe food security, climate change, housing, healthcare infrastructure, and they're doing it with a passion for the impact, but also a real level of sophistication, that you have to approach these problems with financial tools, with financial incentives to really be able to drive scale. I'm totally excited that this is the the real future of finance, where they accept that, of course, you would look for positive impact in the world while making money. Nell Scott. I'm a partner at Aura Carrington, London. We're a law firm, and I specialize in emerging markets investments. I think what impressed me most about the students today is that the amount of work and preparation and time that has gone into preparing some of these proposals, which are truly some of the more impressive impact proposals I have ever seen in my experience. They really have put a lot of thought into how to make sustainable, operational, and successful financial products that will be of interest to the market and could have a significant benefit on the impact community. So I'm Ian Sim. I'm the founder and chief executive of Impact's Asset Management based here in London. It's been incredibly inspiring today to realize just how much effort the students have put in over many months, in some cases years, to pull together these really innovative proposals right at the the, the frontier of of impact and finance. 
We've seen some very clear presentations this afternoon. It's been incredibly difficult for the judges to make a final decision. We're really delighted that we've found the ASEAN project as the, the winner. We think that their offering is really clear and concise. It's got a very clear impact and uh, there was a lot of passion in the way they delivered it. The runners-up are, are uh, very compelling as well, but they weren't quite as strong as, as ASEAN. My name is Roberta Benedetti del Rio. I'm a director at Generation Investment Management. We are a long-term oriented investor focused on businesses that contribute positively to a more sustainable future. It's been a really fun experience uh, to be on a judging panel of the Sustainable Investing Challenge. It really does stretch your imagination as these are not the typical investment products that we are used to considering for investments. They're very innovative. It is clear that these students are very bright and uh, have given a lot of thought to their ideas and solutions, which they delivered with passion. I was mostly impressed by the teamwork within the teams, each member having a specific angle or input and all sharing the presentation and Q&A in a balanced way. Also by the, the diversity of solutions to different problems all over the world, from food waste in China to housing in Kenya to employment in India, etc. From the group that emerged in the finals, there was also quite an interesting concentration of climate adaptation solutions, which again is a reminder of how acutely aware the young generations are of the climate crisis and how determined they are on finding fair solutions to help the most exposed communities to respond and adapt. Florian Meister from Finance in Motion in Frankfurt. The second time I'm at an event like this, and it's just so motivating to see these young, very smart MBA teams come up with proposals. Today, I find there's a strong focus on resilience, on mitigation projects, sometimes a little over-engineered, trying to involve too many parties, but altogether great thinking and very, very encouraging. Hello, I'm Edward Mason. I'm Head of Responsible Investment at the Church Commissioners for England. The Church Commissioners manage the Historic Endowment Fund of the Church of England. I was really privileged to be a judge at this year's Kellogg Morgan Stanley Challenge. I was really blown away by the enthusiasm, the creativity, the energy of the young people who brought their ideas to the challenge. It was really quite hard as a judge to choose between the, the different teams, but I was privileged to be a judge in the first round for the, the team that ended up winning the challenge, the, uh, the ASEAN uh, Typhoon Resilience bid. And I, I thought this was a great idea of, of young people studying finance bringing uh, the power of finance to solving real-world problems for some of the poorest and most vulnerable people in the world. Vikram Raju, I head impact investing in private markets at Morgan Stanley. Climate change and global poverty are huge problems and they require huge amounts of capital to solve. What I saw today was a groups of students who had fantastic ideas who really understand that these opportunities can be solved in a way that captures the growth and generates the kind of returns that makes it feasible for the large pools of money to come in. So count me as impressed. And finally, now that you've got a sense of the breadth of proposals, some of the student teams, and the judges' feedback, here's a discussion with the winning team, the Asian Storm Resilience Fund, from Lee Kong Chan School of Business at Singapore Management University. The winning team consisted of Felicia Shaw, Mao Yinghe, and TK Lo. Their project won across a number of ranked criteria, including innovation, feasibility, ability to scale, and its social and environmental impact. So here's Felicia, Mao Ying, and TK 
introducing themselves. Yeah, hi, um, I'm Felicia. Um, I'm actually an earth scientist by training and also uh, have spent some years in policy making. So I've kind of hung around the UNFCCC circuit for a while and I was always quite frustrated actually that um, there was so much talk about the problem but not as much action as we would like. Lots of well-meaning people. So when kind of we heard about this challenge, there was this wonderful opportunity waiting um, and also our region is very afflicted by climate change. So it, this means a lot to me. Hi everyone, my name is Mao Ying. Um, actually, my background is more into operation and program management. I was working in a company internally to help the company to drive change management and also business transformation. Well, uh, when we got this, we, we were in an MBA program currently, and we were got this challenge from school, and we feel um, few of us have diverse background. We can come out with a team, um, but with more photos we've seen, more research we have done towards typhoon towards the impact to the society. We, I feel for myself I become more and more passionate. I really want to drive this and I can utilize my experience and skill and program management to really fly this off. Great. Yeah. And TK? Yeah, so my background was pretty much in banking but after a while um, I left to do some entrepreneurship stuff. So seeing such a big problem in front of me, especially when Felicia brought it up, um, I wanted to solve it, right? So we had more and more discussions, got more and more passionate about idea because, I, you, I mean, like, germinating an idea from scratch is really tough, right? Frankly, we pivoted a few times, <laughs> but in the end, we settled with, with this idea. So I started off by asking the obvious question. Why is storm resilience so important? And how does the Storm Resilience Fund actually work? So when we entered this project, um, we knew that emergency relief after an event can never solve a problem. We wanted to go upstream and think about protecting people against the worst of the damage. And when we looked at the two major events in Southeast Asia, Cyclone Nargis in 2008, Super Typhoon Haiyan in 2013, one thing that leapt out at us is you need to make sure there's shelter for these people so they're not exposed to wind burns and rain burns that you get from these intense winds and rain, and so that they can sustain their livelihoods. Because if your house is able to keep standing, there'll be much less loss of life. You'll be able to preserve your food stores and your seed stores, so you'll be back on your feet a lot faster. This was really compelling for us. So with something that's also as tangible, as immediate, um, and as, as solid as reinforcing a farmer's home. They can understand it, they'll want it, and there's so much benefit that comes from it. So how it works is we're offering a microfinance loan to reinforce homes, but at a rate that's much lower than, say, what the banks would offer. So this makes it very attractive for the farmers, makes it affordable for them. But at the same time, to be able to attract private investors, um, we kind of pair that with a development impact bond, and the DIB uh, is actually much more efficient use of, say, government or intergovernmental organization resources because if they had spent that, say, on direct aid or subsidies, it would um, be a much bigger number and not so well deployed. So that's the innovation of our project. Um, what we intended to do was to help local communities in ASEAN, in the ASEAN region, but with a focus on Philippines at the initial pilot stage. 
to really become more resilient mm-hmm. to typhoons and storms? Uh, so I think everybody knows that climate change is happening and it's really important to adapt to it. But I think nobody knows this problem as intimately, deeply and as painfully as people in Southeast Asia. Because long before climate change became you know, a sexy topic, um, Southeast Asia was getting hit by tropical cyclones on a very regular basis. And we have some frightening statistics, like 2 billion per year in losses. In the last 10 years, 300,000 over people have died from two, two mega, mega events and some smaller events. And so we felt there was a, this golden opportunity to go to the bottom of the pyramid and address farming communities who are not only the most vulnerable, but also when a storm hits, um, they, they lose their entire livelihood and it impacts them for a very long, there's a very long tail on that damage. It's not just an event and they can pick up the pieces, they, their livelihoods are devastated for a long time. I also wondered, what makes Asian countries, like the Philippines, so vulnerable to extreme weather? It's really just the, the geographic location. Um, when the storms are coming, they're kind of building up power over the ocean. And if you, you look at the kind of ocean basin that also uh, affects Japan and Taiwan, it's that same series of seasonal tropical storms that come in from the east and they move west. And that's why when they make landfall, one of the first countries that they'll hit would be the Philippines. And that's why they're quite strongly affected. And I also wanted to know what it was like to work as a team and how the diversity of their backgrounds helped create for a more well-rounded project. Interesting story first, how we all got together. So initially, Maoing was the one that initiated contact when the email we saw the email um, about the challenge. So she actually tried to form a group initially with me and then the guy named Colin, (laughs) Colin, who is in here right now, because of some work commitments. So Felicia was actually kind enough to offer expertise in weather weather studies, right? So she she initially wanted to come on board as like a consultant initially, but but we managed to pull her on board, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how how it really comes together was my background is really in finance. Mm -hmm. Hers is in weather and hers is in project management, right? So I mean to run a fund right, right from the start. Um, you need to know finance. You need to know what you're actually talking about in terms of the weather stuff, as well as the project management side of things, like really run the operations. Yeah. yeah. So actually, uh, we think it would be fun if we actually talk about each other's strengths. And I feel that TK has been an invaluable resource to this team because he comes from a, a kind of corporate finance background. He's had experience in banks, but he's also a very principled person. So he has brought um, both rigor and um, heart to this project. He's very committed. And Maoying is a wonderful teammate because she is very methodical. She, you know, questions us on our operations needs, you know, because you can't implement this without really getting to the ground. So with her engineering background, she has been the thorough person questioning our assumptions. And Last, I wanted to know just how scalable their proposal could be beyond a Philippines pilot project. In other words, what does the future hold for the Asian Storm Resilience Fund? 
Alright, so we plan four phases. So the first phase is looking at Mindanao, Philippines, which is the second largest island in Philippines, covering 10 million rural population, while we target to reinforce 48,000 houses. Then the second phase is Luzon region in Philippines and Visayan, which is also the region hit by um, Haiyan in 2013. So that region will cover 33 million rural population. Then we target to reinforce 1 million houses. So if you look at the percentage, the demand, we put it very conservatively, which is 3% only. Then we want to scale into northern ASEAN, which, has, which covers 300 million rural population. So which means will be 10 million houses we are targeting to build. Uh, so if you look at a, well, we say a typical uh, f- farmer who's maybe a little bit below the poverty line, uh, he or she lives in a rather flimsy uh, dwelling which comprises of maybe grass-woven walls, roofs which are not secured and much uh, mostly built from wood and other materials readily available. And we want to kind of migrate them to a reinforced home which involves some concrete reinforced structures and a roof that basically won't fly off in a typhoon. Um, so this kind of dwelling is quite common throughout Southeast Asia and that's where some of the scalability arises. Also, the kinds of livelihoods. Of course, we don't want to generalize that all people in Southeast Asia are the same, but if you look at rice cropping farmers, they do live in kind of basically huts and they have the same kinds of exposure to these extreme weather events and therefore we think that there's wonderful scalability that we can uh, roll this out to places like Thailand, Laos, Myanmar, uh, Vietnam, and we feel it will work, Cambodia. Well, I hope you really enjoy this mashup of interviews and commentary from the 2018 Kellogg Morgan Stanley Sustainable Investing Challenge. You can find more information about the competition at sustainableinvestingchallenge.org, including the guidelines to compete as a team for interested students. The competition not only provides a cash prize to further develop the proposal, It also offers mentorship by experienced investors and practitioners, and it gives the winning team an incredible opportunity to present at the Milken Institute's global conference held in Los Angeles. If you're curious about how the winning team this year, Asian Storm Resilience Fund, is progressing, you can check them out too at www.storm-resilience.org. I want to give a special shout out to the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University, to Morgan Stanley, Dave Chen, and especially everyone, and I mean that, everyone who participated to make this episode possible. Thank you. So many thanks for joining us in the sixth and final episode of season two of Perspectives Toward a Sustainable Future. And remember, stay tuned for season three. You're listening to Perspectives Toward a Sustainable Future, a podcast about what we're doing today to build a more sustainable world tomorrow. I'm Jason Mitchell, sustainability strategist at Man Group. Thanks for joining us, and special thanks to everyone that helped produce this show. To check out more episodes of this podcast, please visit us at man.com forward slash responsible dash investment or look for us on iTunes. <laughs>